Okay, welcome to the podcast with uh, Paula Sage and Scott Griffith. And this is going to be a fun one, Paul. Um, as you know, when, when um, I started the company and was talking to you about, you know, when you were going to come in and join, we, we, we were debating and talking about a title and we both landed on the, on the term uh, SG Collaborative Solutions. And uh, so today we're going to talk about what that word means both personally between, between you and me and how we have interacted over the years and also how, how we see this playing out inside organizations. Um, and, I, and you told me a story just the other day that I, that I think is uh, pitch perfect to start this podcast uh, when you were uh, an assistant fire chief. So Paul, if you would j just open up with that. With oh that. yeah, the, um, where, I, where I thought I was collaborative, that one. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so, and this is, you know, and this is kind of embarrassing, which I think all those things that we learn from are, are, are somewhat humiliating or embarrassing if we're willing to admit that, which is I'd already written a book on crew resource management at this point. So like felt like I was pretty understanding of power gradients and stuff. and. I remember walking into a meeting of a bunch of the executives. This is when I was the assistant chief of operations. So essentially the second in command of this very, very large fire and rescue department, 1100 employees. And, and I, um, and I walked in and, and, uh, and, and there was, they were all, my command staff was sitting around and, and, and we were, they were going through and having a discussion about a relatively difficult topic. And I sat and listened for a few minutes and I said, well, you know, there, we could always do, I can't even remember what it was about, but I just remember saying we could always do X, Y, or Z and, you know, a lot of nodding heads and stuff. And then I had another meeting to go to. So I was like, hey, you guys are smart. You'll solve it. And I leave. And, um, you know, I had a chief of staff at the time. He's a battalion chief. He, he's a fire chief in the Midwest now, really a cool guy. And he comes into my office and, and he's like, hey, chief, um, didn't know if you knew that when you like walk in and do that, he goes, it kind of just shuts everything down. He goes, everybody took that as an order. And, and, and I was literally shocked. I, I was, I mean, embarrassingly shocked, right? Like, what, what do you mean? I didn't tell them to go do it. I, I just made a suggestion. And, and he goes, yeah, but you have to understand the power gradient. I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like I'm collaborative. He goes, well, generally you are. He goes, but you also have this command atmosphere around you and you walk in and you say, I think this is a good idea. He goes, then all of a sudden, all the other ideas are subordinate to that. And so I literally had to go back into the meeting and, and, and like fix that, right? And say, okay, forget what I said it's a bad idea, you know, go ahead and do what you think is, is necessary. And, and I think that's, even with you and I, Scott, when we've developed our relationship and collaborating, you know, it's, collaboration's just a long journey. There's not like, oh, I'm a great collaborator, because I think you're always going to trip up, because everyone that you're collaborating with is different. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, by the way, that story reminds me of, of the story we both have talked about with Colin Powell, and I think the first time he had been appointed general of, of one of our command forces and he goes to uh, to, to meet a, a military unit and he walks into the to the headquarters there and he looks and he says something like oh that's interesting color and he was referring to the paint on the wall and he didn't think, think anything about it and he went back and they did some work and he came back around noon and they had repainted the wall and, and he, they said, he said, why wasn't the wall a different color? And he goes, yeah, but you didn't like it. And he said, no, I did. I just thought it was interesting. I'd never seen that color before. Um, and it, it illustrates sometimes the danger of these uh, power gradients, uh, which relates to one of the organizational attributes that we look at in organizations is uh, equity. And sometimes 
uh, inequity results from people in power uh, exerting undue influence or dominance in a, in a, in a setting. Um, you can see this in, in lots of different industries. It's not unique to healthcare. You see it in the aviation industry. Uh, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the time, though, <clears throat> what I've found in my own personal experience is like when you and I are collaborating, there isn't really a power gradient. I mean, we're equals for, you know, as far as like our partnership and that sort of thing. What is interesting, though, is I don't think we all recognize that when we're in power or even the even the unconscious, you know, or implicit bias that we have, the power that we have just because of our color or because of our educational background that we were we got because of who we are. I don't think we understand how that influences collaboration in the conversation sometimes. So I think that the people with power first have to recognize you have that influence when you walk into a collaborative situation, don't you? I mean, I think you gotta you gotta have like a sense of like, am I being open enough? Do I, you know, for this conversation to actually take place safely for others. Yeah, and, 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 and that also speaks to when people and groups come together, how does collaboration start? What, 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 how does it evolve and how does it end? And, and for me, being an introvert, and I laugh, Paul, you know, I, I perceive you to be a, an extrovert uh, in many ways. And, and, and I'd say most people would agree with that. Yeah. And, <laughs> yes, and, and I consider myself an introvert. I, I, I don't think well uh, when surrounded by other people. I'm, I'm socially awkward and, and I get, you know, I can't make eye contact and all those sorts of things that introverts might, might claim. But what, what I've found in my career where I have, I guess, in some measure developed a reputation for collaboration is I, if I can think about something quietly, I go off in the corner and think about something and come back, th then I, I sometimes feel I have something to offer in the conversation. Well, you know, um, you pointed something out, Scott, that I think is really interesting and people may not recognize this or they think one is better than the other. So let's talk for a minute about what you and I sometimes tend to do. You are very good at waiting for people to like finish what they're saying or sit in the background and listen to everybody. I think you told me a story once about what your dad told you, you know, about how you know what everybody else is thinking when they speak right. first. And then I was telling you, but yeah, but if you have all those kinds of people in a conversation, then nobody speaks. You're all waiting for the other person. And see, I don't have that problem because I'll just speak. I'll just speak up and, right. and I'm not embarrassed anymore because I can be wrong and go like, yeah, OK, I, I got that wrong. But I think it does take both kinds, right, or both types. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's yeah and that's part of the the, the 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 system strategy of diversity, right? Diversity it provides that strength of perspective. It provides multiple points of view. And by the way, this conversation for our listeners is going to lead us into some really interesting uh, scientific um, um, elements of of why. Uh, ASAP has worked in the past and why triads have, have a basis in, in organizational reliability. But, but back to the introvert extrovert thing, uh, you're right. If, if you have a, I was sitting in San Antonio on the Riverwalk one day and I was getting ready to speak. It's an interesting conversation, Paul, that I was listening to and I was eavesdropping on a conversation at a table <laughs> next to me. I was by myself and uh, I'm getting ready to go speak and, you know, I'm nervous. I have a fear of public speaking. And I'm sitting there drinking coffee and I hear these two gentlemen talking and they were from Boston, you know, your hometown. And um, they're speaking in this Boston accent and they, and, they, and they were making a joke about MIT, which as you know, is 
right across the way from uh, one of our major clients there. And uh, they were saying, well, you know how they select the department heads uh, at MIT. And, I, and I'm listening to this. And the other one said, no, how? And you said, well, they have a cocktail party for all the faculty. And the first two professors to make eye contact become the chair and the vice chair. <laughs> and, and it just cracked me up because I, I wanted to jump up and say I, I identify with that, but I was an introvert, so I didn't dare speak. So you see, what I would have done is I would have turned to them and said, "How?" Yeah, yeah, you would have engaged them, and I just took this, and I just Sorry took the story listening. back and told the audience that. So um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, so uh, what, another of our colleagues, Lisa Rampton, makes a makes an observation that I think applies. Um, she says that. Um, Collaboration can be painful and messy, but when it's done right, it always is worthwhile. It always works. Um, and, and that became, for me, the, the, the driving force when I was in the airline industry at developing ASAP. And uh, I have to say that of all the programs that I've been involved with over the years, that one has proved to be sustainably reliable. It's, it's existed since 19... 94, uh, but we, we took great care to set it up in a way that, that we feel we felt at the time was more scientific. And so, well, it, you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Scott. No, after you, Paul, go ahead. Well, I was thinking that one of the things that I had this conversation with um, a physician I, I respect a great deal at the Brigham uh, a few years ago, and we were talking about the collaborative process. And I'd like your thoughts on this too, because I think that one of the difficult things that we run into is collaboration, as you and I know, and I, I know we'll get to a couple more personal stories about our collaboration because we've learned so much from it, is there's also got to be an end point. There's, you know, in other words, you're, so in my department, I was known as the, per, I would go through a meeting and I'd get out of the meeting and I'm like, we got all this stuff done. And I literally one time had someone ask me, did, did you notice that so-and-so was upset during the meeting? And I, I asked, they were there? So, so I didn't even notice they were in this meeting, but but I was really happy because we got a lot of stuff done. Now, the other AC, he'd hold meetings and I'd get frustrated because nothing would get done, but everyone would leave happy because everyone had talked and, but, but it was like none of the projects ever got concluded. So when I was talking, the, the reason I bring this up is because at this one main hospital client, the collaborative process had actually gone to the point where it had become dysfunctional to where they were so... Yeah. concerned that everybody got was in agreement let's put it that way that it never got nothing ever got done and i said wait a minute there's got to be a leadership function to collaboration where collaboration doesn't mean everyone's on board it's like crew resource management it means you've said your piece you're you've you've been heard you're understood but at some point you have to decide to move forward and so what's your thoughts on that scott because i know that's a that's a sharp edge to collaboration is actually you got to get stuff done yeah yeah no i, I could, could, couldn't agree more uh, i'm going to show that uh, on our screen here for those uh, that are maybe seeing this as a video you'll be able to see it but but for those that aren't, if you're just listening to an audio, we'll describe it verbally for you. Um, so, so when, when when we were doing ASAP, we'd had we'd, we'd been in operation for about two or three years. I invited. Uh, let me make sure, Paul. Are you seeing my screen? I am. Yes. Okay. So this is what's known as the uh, Sandia report, and um, the Sandia report was an independent third-party assessment of the. The, the program that we had designed or I had designed called ASAP. And what, what you just described, Paul, 
was a, um, a, 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 I'll talk about a visual here of uh, we have to, we have to get to a result. And in this particular result says we come in with divergent views, divergent values at times, and we have to funnel that down to a result or an outcome. And without a process to move it along, just respecting differences of opinion and saying every opinion is equal won't get you necessarily to a result unless you have a process that, that, that guides it. And so in the Sandia report, I, and I urge the listeners to go back and we'll, we make it available on our website to download and read. It talks about this triad approach as, a, as an advancement in organizational uh, 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 improvement. And so uh, if, you, if you don't know about the ESR program, it's a, it's a tripartite uh, program involving regulator, uh, the airline, and then the labor association, and, and they have to reach a unanimous consensus. So uh, to your point, Paul, w- when working in healthcare, we do a lot of work where we bring in uh, groups of people and we actually have developed uh, much, you know, to, to your uh, credit, uh, what we call a collaborative risk review process, uh, where we bring in, rather than doing, you know, independent once in a month uh, RCAs or deep investigations, we, 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 we address more issues in a more collaborative forum to get to those solutions. But the, the, what you're pointing out is that you can't just sit around and, and, and have a jam session. You have to have something that you're going to actually produce as a result. Um, and that's why it's- And it involves trade-offs. So I think the important part about the unanimity thing is that it doesn't mean that everything that you want or desire is going to be in the final end product. So that's not what unanimous is about in collaboration. So I think from from the right. standpoint of collaboration, there's a misnomer sometimes that people think that that means everyone gets what they want. And, and let's just take the products that you and I produce, the, the reliability response guides and those sorts of things. Even recently, you know, I'm working under a deadline for a client and I always have a fun time with Scott, which is, um, you know, Scott is is very, very exacting, which is super helpful for us in the company. But I'm always telling him, Scott. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not exacting. I have obsessive compulsive disorder. So why don't you just. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to be, I was trying to put it yeah, as. Yeah, a... I, have, I have mild OCD or maybe uh, not yeah, mild. It's yeah. mild. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Maybe so... moderate. Well, let's talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> let's talk about mild or moderate. So, the, but the fun part is, is that what I know is when I hand something off, Scott's going to capture detail that I wouldn't capture. On the other hand, I'm always telling him perfect's the enemy of good, right? So, you know, they're, they're trying, to, trying to strike that balance between what's perfect and what's good and keeping the ball moving down the field is never an exact science. It's always in flux. And I think that's part of the fun and the concern about collaboration. And when I feel like the hair's rising on the back of my neck when Scott and I are talking, I'm like, hey, I don't think so. And I'm getting ready to dig my little trench and, and, and say, this is the, I'm ready. And Scott's always like, is this a hill you're, you're ready to die on? And, and I have to back up and go, well, no, actually, I don't want to die on that hill. But I think the thing is, is what, what we recognize is we have a vision of what we want the end result to be. And so that helps us see that the other person's opinions and viewpoints aren't personal. They're just the way you see to get to the end point and I see it somewhat differently. And I don't think we've ever produced something like that, Scott, that hasn't been a far better product because of that 
collaborative piece that you just said is messy and 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 painful, right? Right, right, and that and that that's absolutely true, Paul. Both on a personal and professional uh, basis with you and me, and that's because I think we we have a a, a solid. Uh, relationship. And, and that's what's known uh, in organizational theory as a dyad, where you have two people or two parties engaged in something. And interestingly Talk enough- about I'm, that for a minute, because I think our dyad, we don't, there's no power gradient. But let, why don't you talk about a little bit, because as you and I have discovered, and you've dove into deeper, in most organizations, there's a power gradient, right? When there's a dyad. Right. And, and so, and by the way, for those of you that, that aren't familiar with SGC Collaborative Solutions, we, we, we actually do have a triad with, with Michael Coffin, who is uh, our third equal partner. Paul and I deal mainly with the operational uh, details and programs and materials. Uh, and so oftentimes we find ourselves in a, in a dyad uh, role. But in relationships, whether it's in uh, you know, personal relationships uh, or uh, in um, business relationships between a manager and an employee, uh, you, you'll see this dynamic. Uh, and, and, and you can equalize the, the engagement in many cases with, with good uh, uh, interpersonal skills, but, but invariably at dyads, there's a tilt. There, one person may exert more influence over the other in a given, it, it's situational. Uh, that's why relationships are hard. You have to, you have to work at uh, balancing out those uh, that give and take in an organizational construct, and this is what we achieved with ASAP. We said these parties uh, ascribe to a higher set of values. Uh, we don't want the plane to crash, as an example. Uh, all parties benefit when we stop that, but we have to set aside those personal and parochial interests uh, to to get something better or a higher common good, if you will. So we institutionally said, and by the way, th this was not easy. I, I had to go to Washington DC and I met with the um, inspector general of the Department of Transportation who, who insisted that the regulator had final authority. And I said, well, well, no, you don't. Because if you do, that power gradient makes the unanimous consensus uh, move. Right. And and I said, you, he said, well, we're, we're the regulator. And I said, well, well, don't participate then. If you demand higher, right. uh, don't participate. We'll run this without you. And of course they didn't. And the rest became history because now at the end of the day, if the program doesn't succeed because they don't achieve that unanimous consensus, then the regulator may take action outside that program. But, but so Scott, talk about that for just a minute. So our, our listeners get the concept again, circling back to unanimous consensus versus yeah. unanimous agreement. Those are two different things, right? So in a unanimous yeah. consensus with a triad, I may be giving things up that I right. don't really want to in a perfect world, right? So if I'm the labor representative, I may be giving some stuff up or management representative on this triad, yeah. but I really don't want to give up. But, but I understand that for the greater good, this is a unanimous consensus is important. And, and I think the distinction between unanimous agreement and, or, or whatever we want to call it, right? Maybe unanimous viewpoint versus unanimous consensus. What are your thoughts yeah, on Yes, that? so I think Paul, you've just crossed over into the realm of uh, United States government. So you're so, speaking out <laughs> directly to US Congress. Actually, if think about the three branches of government is a triad, equal, equal uh, branches of government. Although in Congress, we have two we have a bicameral house. So, so between house and Senate, but, but 
that that's a very good point. And I'll get geeky on us for just a second. A balance of power, if you will, sometimes is polarization. Well, you, you know, a seesaw can be can be a balance of power, but they're they're separated by some distance. What we're looking for in, in our in our approach when we employ triads is to bring a center of gravity in so that we bring the, the parties into let's let's look at what's most important out of this interaction. And we're all going to have to, in, in many cases, give up something for that greater result that we that we all agree is, is most important. So uh, your ego can't be anchored in making sure that you get your way, even in a unanimous consensus. And that's an important piece, right? You, you got to right. set that ego aside to a certain extent. Right. So, so the difference between, as you point out, cons unanimous consensus and unanimous agreement, I guess you could, you could interpret that to mean, it doesn't mean that we're in total agreement, yeah. but we, we do agree when you separate out what's most important to all parties that, that we move forward and achieve that greater good or greater result. Uh, and we may not always like the path that gets us there, but the, the and, and the personalities invariably come into this. Uh, but but in, in reliability theory, it, it, getting to unanimous consensus with equal status without undue influences like power gradients and biases, which we have to be aware of, if we don't notice that, that we won't be able to defend against it. But when we recognize those, we, we, the process, as painful and messy as it can be, it works and it's it, it has shown it's evidence-based. What, what happens all too often, and, and this relates to uh, our work, Paul, yours and mine, as we were part of the initial uh, pioneering effort around just culture. And by the way, Sidney Decker pointed this out years ago when he took a shot at uh, the, 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 the model of just culture that, that we were a part of. And he said, well, everything depends on who's holding the algorithm in their hand, who, who's running the, the, the interview, right? Well, and that and, became one of the most concerning parts, remember, you and I had, which is that there was no way to determine with those old algorithms who an yeah. objective view. So who's supposed to answer the questions was always... Yeah, it didn't tell you, right? So, so of course, it was always the supervisor that answered the question. Did you, did you know what you were supposed to do? Of course, you did because I told you. <laughs> you know that sort right, of right. Thing. And 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 as you and I both uh, recognized early on, we, we weren't able to uh, ensure that the individual, the managers were were proficient uh, or, or reliable in how they interpreted that tool. So, as we started the company, we we said we're going to create a more collaborative style engagement. And we're going to have it, whether it's a collaborative risk review with, with many people, several people in, in the conversation, or it's in a higher order of a triad where we have defined parties participating to achieve that unanimous consensus. That's what makes the tool more reliable. We, we believe the tool is, is more scientifically designed. Uh, because it's aligned with the sequence of reliability. We don't, we don't bias ourselves toward behavior. Uh, we don't ignore behavior, but we, we get to behavior after risk systems, human performance first, then human behavior, and then finally the organizational response. But uh, the, the, that process in the triad or in a collaborative engaged, uh, engagement uh, environment has proven itself time and time again to be much more reliable. Uh, and, and as times, Paul, as you pointed out, you know, in the early days of this, remember, we, we started to do this uh, with a mobile app that we ended up you know, 
putting on the shelf, but you had a, a very interesting little do loop and, and, and tell the listeners what that was. The, one of the first questions we asked was your mindset when you're approaching the, 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 the guide. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't remember exactly what, what it was. So you said, are you, are you curious and open-minded Oh yeah. So or are you upset and angry and angry? Right. So I used yeah. to always say, are you curious or angry when you're analyzing an incident? And I had a mentor once who said, you can't be curious and angry at the same time because I've never seen a curiously angry person. <laughs> that always made me laugh, but you know. Yeah, but in the app, if you answer the question to the negative that you were curious and angry, it just kept looping you back. That's right, and you it kept going back and saying, well, get curious. I think. Yeah. yeah, so that was, yeah. and I think those were, you know, let's talk a little about that because you've just directed some, some, I think some really important energy toward this fact of the power gradient and the inequities. There's, there's a lot of that being explored now appropriately on um, inequities that we don't even recognize. So for instance, one of the major clients that we work with in their collaborative risk review process, they, they're introducing now what they call counterfactuals every single time they do a case, which is like, okay, we'll review this case in the context that this was a white person who had insurance that was this, but what if this was an uninsured uh, person of a certain ethnicity, et cetera? Would they have gotten the same care and the same process through the whole thing? And then when the collaborative group starts working on that, it, what it really has shown is the, um, the diversity of the group that's collaborating because you'll have people who have been themselves subject to these power gradients or these inequities that will speak up and go, how can you be so certain that, uh, of X, Y, or Z? I mean, you don't, you've never experienced it in your real life. And the problem sometimes with that is it feels personal for people. They're like, well, I'm not biased. I mean, I, I know people are biased. And of course we're all biased to a certain degree on certain things. But I think it's an interesting process because it draws those things out. And the better you get at this, the better you start introducing that and say, okay, I think we settled this, but what if we introduced it in a different way? Would it look the same? Would, would our systems and our people still be resilient? Yeah, the, the, first, the first step, in, as we both know, in the sequence of reliability is do we see and understand the risk? And the, 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 the scientific aspect of diversity is it opens our eyes to seeing risk in different ways. And some of those are very personal and some of those not, but if we can get a, a more uh, balanced perspective uh, on a risk, then we can, we have, we stand a much better chance of being able to manage it down, down the road. But well, I seeing, think that's a great, you know, we should do that at a future talk, Scott. We should do a podcast on the risk side because it's so hard for people, I think, don't you, to really right. like- that's right. And, and in the next series that we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to go through the sequence of reliability. So seeing and understanding risk will be our next one. Uh, and it will tie into our efforts around equity and inclusion. Um, I, I think is, you know, Paul, this is going to be a fun series for us because one topic will lead us segue into another. Uh, I, I think for today to, to, to sort of keep this within our 30 minute target is, uh, Collaboration is something that, that you and I both feel so uh, personally um, uh, aligned with that we put it in the title of our company. And uh, although we approach collaboration sometimes from different perspectives, the result that you and I achieve professionally and personally is much better than either of us would achieve on our own. And we believe that's true with the clients we work with. When we go in, we don't come in and address an organization saying there's only one way to do 
high reliability. We come in and say, here's our model. It's evidence-based, it works, but let's collaborate on how to best apply it operationally in your culture, in your environment. And uh, I think one of the cues that we could give people on collaborating is um, to anticipate the messiness and the pain of it. Because if you don't, then you'll be surprised by it when it happens. But if you come right. into it sort of anticipating, I remember the other day, remember you called and we were going over one of the documents we're updating. And I think the very first thing you said was, okay, I just want you to know right up front that we're going to fight like brothers over this. And I started <laughs> laughing. I was like, okay, well, this is obviously something that we've both expressed a strong opinion on. Now, the funny part was, is I was like, no, actually, I completely agree with you. But I think when you go into it with an anticipation that the process is super valuable, but there's going to be friction, then you're, yeah. it's a little easier to yeah. like accept the friction when it comes than being surprised that the person is suddenly, you know, going against what your thoughts are. Yeah, that, that's a, that's an excellent point, Paul. I mean, we, we, uh, you have to anticipate it. Don't, don't be surprised by it. All too often organizations, when they get to that point, they step back and they, and they move on to other things. But, but, You've got to be able to trust the science here because the science is we're going to get to that resolution. Uh, and, and if you don't, then there has to be an escalation process. And that's the final element of a triad is if you don't get unanimous consensus, then there's an escalation process that, that has to be there as a safety valve. Uh, but, but our work here has been um, a painful and messy and thoroughly enjoyable yeah. Uh, it, it's been, it's been, you know, for both of us, I know our, our professional lives have been dedicated to this, uh, helping organizations become more reliable. And we think the key to that is, uh, one of the keys is, is collaboration in the right way and the right structure. Agreed. And I think that that's the part that is an always learning process. And people will ask me sometimes, clients will say, well, you know, how can we collaborate better? And and it's just practice. It's just doing it until you feel comfortable with the whole process. And that whole part about recognizing the power gradients going in is really important. And I will tell you that even if you write books on it, you'll be blind to it. So <laughs> it's um, because you can think it, 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 sometimes it's just the uniform or the title. It has nothing to do with your personality. It has to do with the other person's perceptions of that gradient. And there's nothing you can do to overcome it except demonstrate actively that you're willing to or that you're willing to recognize it. And that's yeah. a tough place to be. You've got to be fairly mature. And like I said, you've got to be able to check your own ego once in a while to, to do that. That's right. We have to see and understand it in order to manage the process. So. That's right. And, and you're always willing to point it out to me. So I super <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> All and right. Vice versa. All right. Uh, well, this concludes this one on uh, collaboration uh, for our listeners and viewers. Uh, if you have other, uh, please feel free to leave comments. Uh, clearly, Paul and I uh, don't own the, uh, the, the perspective on collaboration. We're, we're learning it every day. So uh, give us your thoughts and comments about how you found it to be successful. And uh, we hope that you continue your journey to uh, collaborative high reliability. All, All right. right. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Paul. you bet. See you, Scott.